Welcome back to the regular exclusive podcast with your hosts, Jason Renee, as always. And Renee, I wanted to get your thoughts on something. Um, so, you know, in 2020, we got the this, this Snyder cut of Justice League. No, I've never heard of it. Oh, yeah, it's it's an it's pretty, pretty interesting, you know, little history moment. <laughs> I do. I do know the Snyder cut and I prefer it. Well, yeah, the the original Justice League was garbage. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm sure you've heard uh, David Ayers, who directed the very, very poorly received Suicide Squad. He has been talking almost nonstop since that movie came out in 2016 about how that wasn't his cut and he wants his cut. And I think we're probably going to get it. But I just wanted to get your thoughts on that, like directors and talking about movies from the past and like doing yeah. it the right way. I don't know. I think it's interesting with the the Suicide Squad one because I feel like they might I feel like it won't happen because we already got the good Suicide Squad from James Gunn. So like what's mm -hmm. the point? You know, like it makes sense for like a movie where like like obviously the only Justice League movie that existed that was the one that Joss Whedon had done and that was shit. So there wasn't like a good version of it still. That was just awful. So like they yeah. needed the Snyder cut. That made a lot more sense. But for this, I don't know. I also I feel like this would extend to a lot of fucking movies. Like if you start mm -hmm. this, that's going to be almost every fucking film with a major studio, because as we know, and we'll talk about this as we talk about the things, but like this is a common problem and studios often are the ones that ruin movies. So for certain situations, I think it makes sense. I don't think we should do it like a lot. Like if you do it too much, it's just going to get out of control, right? Yeah. We don't need that so much, but like I understand it for something where it's like, you know, we just had the fucking J Joss Whedon cut us of uh, <laughs> Justice League. We needed something else to, to take the bad taste out of the mouth. Yeah. Like, on one hand, I totally support, like, artists getting to, to, to make the movie that they want to make. But, like, you know, uh, David Ayer, for example, like, he has done some really good stuff. Like, he wrote Training Day. He directed and wrote like End of Watch, which is really good. Fury. And it's weird, like when a movie like Suicide Squad happens. If it came out cool, I, I would I would probably watch it once. But it's like, is it worth six years of him? Just like it kind of sounds like he's whining about it. Like, is it worth all that time to do it? Well, I kind of <laughs> feel like it probably cut down like a lot of job opportunities for him so like at the yeah. moment i mean i don't know if he's working on anything now but i mean this this also is very timely with talking about john carpenter's the thing because shockingly that movie basically like stopped his career he was on totally like this huge upswing and that movie shut him down and he lost other projects because of it and he mm -hmm. never really recovered in the like from major studios and stuff like until I mean, now it's regarded as a classic, but yeah, I mean, you know, in certain situations, I think it sucks, but it's just how it goes. And that's how the studios do it. I think what we should be doing is instead of like attacking the director every time a movie sucks and saying that it's their fault, especially if there's a big studio involved, I think we can say with like 100% certainty 
it's probably the fucking studio's fault. Especially with superhero movies. Superhero (laughs) movies. But I mean, even horror movies or anything. I mean, the reason that we're not as big on The Thing 2011 is because they made them do CGI over practical. They make stupid decisions, but they're the ones with the money. So that's what I'm saying is like, I don't understand why people are always attacking directors. I'm like, it's not like these guys are all working for A24, okay? (laughs) They're on A24, I understand it, because that is clearly their artist vision unfiltered, right? Yeah, I... You bring up an interesting point. I hadn't thought about it as like a kind of clearing your name kind of what it feels like that they have to do because they get like just fucking ripped down. And it's like we do this across the board to people. But I've just noticed with directors and writers, it's like, why do you got to be so intense? Like, who knows that? Like, maybe the shit part of the script that you didn't like was because the studio forced them to add that scene in. You know, a Mm -hmm. lot of the times the things that people complain about go against what the director had in mind originally. So I think like, hey, if if we got to do this, fine. But like the easier solve would just be stop fucking coming, like attacking these directors when the movie's not perfect. OK. And, you know, we are kind of in the perfect storm. Snyder got his cut be essential. I feel like because of covid, because mm-hmm. like everything got shut down and they're yeah. like, oh, we can just redo this thing. We already have, have this footage for, which David Ayers says they have. The thing that I think would be funny, especially just we have the writer strike, we have the actor strike, like everything is shut down. So this kind of seems like the perfect formula to get a, a director's cut situation. I just want to see it get to the point where like we have a director like Christopher Nolan saying like, I was in a crazy state of mind. I need to recut my own movie that I had total control over. I I need to recut tenant. (laughs) That's what fucking like George Lucas went back and edited all the special effects in the original like Star Wars trilogy. So it's like really jarring though, when you get to those sequences, because you're like, he didn't do it across the board, but it's like in the, like there's one scene I remember at like the little like, bar that they go to and like these people are singing but it's like this extensive cgi alien dance and i'm just like (laughs) this just feels so out of place like this doesn't need to be here you know what i mean like it's been a long enough time just let it go but (laughs) maybe we just need to be nicer to the artists and realize that we should all be coming for the fucking corporations because i think they're always the true villains well, as long as this strike is going on, we definitely know that they're the villains. I mean, even without the strike, that's just my personal belief. <laughs> Fuck the corporations, but and the big guys. But you know what? I guess we need money. So, well, let's uh, let's take a break from corporations and let's talk about a small group of scientists that are out in Antarctica. We're gonna find out who's the thing. Watching Norris in there gave me the idea that. Maybe every part of him was a whole. Every little piece was an individual animal with a built-in desire to protect its own life. You see, when a man bleeds, it's just tissue. No blood from one of you things won't obey when it's attacked. Today, we are talking about John Carpenter's The Thing from 1982 and i i think this movie maybe maybe there's some others but i feel like this movie like kicked off the era of gooey special effects it really paved the way because i do feel like i mean that's just one thing i love about the fucking 80s man is everything's gooey everything's practical and that's when they really just started to go like balls to the wall like this movie is considered in 
the unholy trinity of 80s remakes because of the practical effects and also because it's incredible. But this movie, The Fly and The Blob, all from the 80s, all have incredible special effects with the practical stuff. And they're all gooey and gross. Yeah, (laughs) they all. But they're all just like some of the best movies. It's great. So I'm obsessed with the 80s era. I think it did give us some of the best shit because nowadays people are just relying on CGI. Whenever I think of like, I mean, prior to rewatching this, because I know this is like your favorite movie of all time or one of them. It's now number one. Oof. When I think of the the gooey 80s, I immediately think of Hellraiser. Mm, <laughs> yes. Hellraiser, extremely gooey. I think that might have come out before this, too. No, but Hell, Hellraiser, was, Hellraiser was 87. Okay, so yeah, then never mind. But that one, it's crazy how low budget that is. But mm-hmm. I mean, I guess what it goes to show is that KY Jelly must be super cheap. <laughs> I mean, I prefer the gooiness of the thing over the gooiness of 87. (laughs) Yeah, I I agree. I think that the thing has some of the most incredible special effects because even though they were in the 80s, they still look real and incredible today. I mean, there's Mm -hmm. some things, obviously, that you're like, oh, okay, I can tell, but barely anything. This movie holds up so well. Well, and 82 is also a great year for aliens. Mm -hmm. Yeah. because you had this, you had E.T. Mm-hmm. Uh, Blade Runner is not an alien movie, but it's futuristic. So but what's I'll, interesting I'll... about both Blade Runner and The Thing is that because they both came out pretty shortly after E.T., which was a very positive spin on sci-fi and aliens, mm-hmm. people were not about the, the dark and depressing vibes from Blade Runner and The Thing, which is why they were like, all the critics said that they were just pornography or garbage and that mm-hmm. they had nothing and they were nihilistic and mean and nobody went and saw them. Like it just wasn't popular at the time because E.T. was like this cuddly little guy. And it was such a positive, heartwarming movie. I love Spielberg, but he kind of screwed up everybody <laughs> else who came out with the sci fi that year. So, I mean, now it's rec- they're both Blade Runner and The Thing are both recognized as some of the greatest movies ever made now. But E.T. kind of fucked him over, honestly. <laughs> Spielberg cornering the market. It's what he does does best. (laughs) But I will say, I think the thing is 10 times, maybe 100 times better than E.T. No offense. (laughs) Well, that was one thing I was not aware of until just doing a little bit of research for this. I didn't realize that the thing was not a successful movie. Yeah, in box office. Like I, very unfortunate. I I have only the thought of how people talk about it now. Me too. And it's it's essentially like the same thing as like the Big Lebowski, like the Big Lebowski was a bomb. And then it is was it is the cult classic. And yeah. the thing is a total cult classic. It, uh, Yeah, it was made on a 15 million dollar budget and it barely got that back mm-hmm. worldwide. So like exactly. by all metrics, it was not successful. Of yeah, a movie. <laughs> I mean, he was um, John Carpenter had he was going to be doing the Stephen King adaptation of Firestarter for Universal right after this movie. And because the thing was like the critics hated it, the audiences did not like it. He lost that job, so he didn't Oof. get to do it, which is unfortunate because the unfortunate the Firestarter movie we got was awful and he would have done it so much better. But at least we got him to do Christine. That's a really good one. But he could have had he could have been just getting to that point where he would have been like just the A-list director. Every studio wants him like he had creative control. But because of the thing, which is so fucked up, because I think it's his best movie ever. 
And it's like what ruined his career almost. Yeah, it's it's crazy to think like he was he was John Carpenter was hot off of Halloween. Mm-hmm. He did that in 78. Then he did, did the some, fog. Uh, yeah, he did some other movies. He did the fog. They did escape from New York, which is yes. where him and Kurt Russell got together. I just watched that for the first time and it was incredible. And then he did the thing. I mean, and luckily, Christine must have already been in development because that came out the year after. Yeah. Well, I think but he th- was ended up getting that job because he lost Firestarter, but it wasn't for Universal, I don't think. Oh, got, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, it was another studio, like a smaller studio, I think. Yeah, it, it was just it was a funny thing. I had never realized that it was yeah. that it was a, that it was essentially a bomb. It's interesting about certain movies that I've just learned that, like, you know, a, a lot of things that go into people's reaction to movies is about what's going on at the time. And mm-hmm. like, you know, also what just came out, what else is out? Like, you know, there's a lot of different factors. And it's just such a such a bummer to me because I think this is maybe the greatest movie. I mean, it, it's like I was just watching. um the top 101 scariest moments in horror history. It's like mm-hmm. this TV show on Shudder. And they were literally like, I don't know if I'd say the thing is a perfect movie, but I don't think there's any other movie that even comes close to as perfect as this is. And I'm like, you're right. It's perfect. <laughs> it literally is perfect, though. That's all come out and say it because I don't care. I think it's the perfect movie. So I was about to ask you, why do you love this movie so much? But I think I just I think you just covered it. <laughs> I think I did. I mean, Tarantino fucking loves it. This was the main inspiration for uh, Hateful Eight and for Reservoir Dogs. I remember you telling me that this was the inspiration for Hateful Eight. And it, the I love Hateful Eight. And the moment you told me that, I never knew that. But I was like, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> Kurt Russell's even in it. It's great. But yeah. I mean, even the opening shots are the same with the snow. And then uh, obviously in the thing, it's a helicopter and a dog. They're mm. shooting at the dog as they're chasing it. But in the, you know the Hateful Eight, it's the horse and the carriage that's coming up. And yeah. then it's all about people who don't trust each other stuck in a location in the snow. And how to survive it and figure out who's the thing or AKA who's working to help Daisy Dahmer go. <laughs> but it, like, it's great. It's a really great setup. I think just in that way, like I love that Tarantino's used it for a couple of his movies because the whole setup and premise of like from the original short story is just like literally a group of people trapped in the snow in this one location and nobody can trust each other because everybody that you know could be the thing. There's no way to tell. It's like, yeah. it's crazy. It's a great setup. It- it is. And, you know, just to cover our bases, if uh, if you're some weirdo that's listening to us and has not watched the thing, uh, the premise essentially is it's the most basic premise ever. A research team in Antarctica is hunted by a shape shifting alien that assumes the appearance of its victims. So it's essentially the game among us as a movie among us. What the creators of that game love this movie, apparently, because it's it's the whole point of the yeah. game. Yeah, I mean, I think most people will agree it's one of the best movies, like best. It's maybe the best horror movie of all time. But I think in particular, there's just a lot of stuff that's not even horror related. That's just really great about it. You know, oh, yeah. I think obviously the filming cinematography, but I think like all the performances, I think the idea that this is like different to me. I've realized this upon rewatching it so much, but I find that this movie is different than like, say a movie like life, right? Mm -hmm. Where there's like a bunch of scientists and they find an alien and it kills all of them. But like their 
the ones who are like fucking being reckless with it and stupid, right? <laughs> yeah. So I feel like this movie is incredible because the Norwegian base that we don't even really see are the ones that were fucking stupid and got this thing out of the ice and let it mm -hmm. run amok. And so the guys here have no idea what's going on and they are just reacting and dealing with it. But these are like everyday blue collar worker guys, kind yeah. of like Alien, which is another reason why Alien is great because those guys aren't like the scientists who are out here to like investigate. I mean, there's the one scientist AI guy who's bad, but that's mm. I think that's that just works because you have an instant empathy for the characters and you're not like, well, they brought this on them themselves, those fucking idiots, you know? <laughs> Everybody's yeah. pretty smart in this movie. Yeah, and they like this movie takes place in 1982. So there's a, immediately a no technology is involved in this. Plus, story. they're in Antarctica. So I don't know what kind of service you could even get there. I imagine it's probably not good no matter what. So, <laughs> well, they, they even say that in the movie. That guy, Windows, is like, yep. I've been, we've been out here for weeks and can't get a hold of shit. <laughs> yep. I know. I love it because Blair's like, well, come on. We got to reach somebody. He's like, what do you want? Like, that, Nobody's <laughs> answering. There's nobody. I have to say I love Windows. I'm curious, actually. We can talk about all the characters, but like, who's your favorite outside of McCready? Because I think we all know Kurt Russell's the best. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, this is this is a Kurt Russell. Just this is Kurt Russell. This is, the powers. Kurt, this is the Kurt Russell story. I mean, there's a lot of things going on like he's got the great beard he's got the hair as i was watching this i was like i feel like this is like the prototype for the hemsworth like it is yeah <laughs> hemsworth chris hemsworth get that fucking hair going he could do it and i oh, feel yeah. like he's got a similar vibe it's this it's the smart ass vibe too but he's also fucking just like he is like really kind of scary almost to everybody because it's like I don't give a fuck. I'll kill all of us at any <laughs> moment. Like, you know what I mean? He's got that wild energy, but he's doing it for the right reasons. So you're I, like, I, I love this guy. He's also not in charge at the beginning, right? Yeah. He kind of rises to power because yeah. he's the smartest one and the one that can handle his shit. Yeah, I was, I put in my notes here specifically, like, Renee, I'm not saying they should remake this movie, but in the event, I, I think they that might. They did. I think Chris Hemsworth would be pretty great. He would Mac. be. He would be. And I agree. I think that would be good. And you know, what's great is that like, just in all my research of this movie, the best thing about McCready that I learned was in the, the script, what his character description says, it's like three words, likes chess, hates <laughs> the cold pay is good. <laughs> I was yeah. just like, I fucking love it. That's the perfect character bio. You know what I mean? And then even too, like, I don't know if you caught this, but like the very first scene that you see McCready, he's sitting at the computer playing chess against the mm -hmm. computer and she cheats technically or whatever. So he like pours his whiskey and destroys the whole thing and says cheating bitch, which just shows his personality that he doesn't give a fuck. He will burn everything down if he finds that either he's losing or like it's not going to go the way that he wanted. I didn't. I didn't watch that thinking that the computer cheated. I thought that he was a sore loser. <laughs> right. I think, I think when I was doing research, they said that like the computer did a cheating move. Like it's not a move that would actually like an allowed. illegal move. Yeah. So that's yeah, why he, he was, he was talking like he had the upper hand. And then... Yeah. Cause he's like, yeah, what are you going to do now? And then she just fucking like checkmated him and he's like cheating bitch. And I just, <laughs> I love that. That's like his personality and the whole thing. I mean, I think they said in the script originally, he was going to be like a, 
helicopter pilot from Vietnam, so he'd seen some shit, which is why he keeps his cool when all the fucking crazy shit hits the fan. Because it when it, it's like this movie starts out pretty slow and tense, yeah, but, and like there is tension throughout the whole movie. But like when when things start when the thing starts coming out, it's it's fucking nuts, yeah. wild. Like I, I'm like I don't know where to look on most of these things. There's just so much happening. So. Before we get into the into the thing and and all those things, I thought that you would you would you would appreciate this this thought that I had. This movie, by all normal measurements or standards of like critiquing a movie, it should not be a good movie. Like the characters don't have like these deep backstories that we learn about. There's not this whole setup to like what's going on. You just start it's, with the shit. <laughs> it's literally just dudes with a pretty general personality character. Like not even any of the characters have like these super strong personalities. No, but I would say that like, they do a good job of making them like, you know who each person is and like what yeah. their job is. And they're very distinct. Like I know who each person is from the other one. Yeah, you know what like, I mean. But they're it's like you're thrown right into the situation. They don't give you like a, any backstory of like why all these people were here, right? Yeah, it's kind of like, yours to interpret. I say like there's no characters that are like over the top, and like that's why they're memorable. Like the most like kind of weird character in the whole thing is just the guy who smokes pot. Like that's Homer. He's Homer. my favorite. Like, that's, that's his thing. He just smokes pot and like, and he's awesome. He has the best fucking line in the movie. I think. Well, that's for debatable, but I would say the best line in this movie is, "You gotta be fucking kidding!" Like that's <laughs> just so good. When the fucking legs sprout spider legs, you're like, I would, I wouldn't even know what to say, but that was probably close to what everyone would say. Well, on the topic of um, favorite lines, <laughs> my favorite line is for Mac, and it's when. Um, I, I forget which person it is, but he's like explaining all the, the reasons why it's dangerous to fly the the chopper out. And he's yeah. just like, good. I'm not going to listen to you. I'm going to go anyways. Like, yeah, exactly. Because I don't care. Good. I'm going anyways. That's great. I'm still going to go. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I really I mean, everybody has good ones. I think another fan favorite line that I just laugh at every single time is after the blood test. And they like test the last guys who were tied to the couch and like they realize <laughs> that they're not the thing. And then like um, Gary is like the he was the captain. He's like still tied to the couch. And he's like, gentlemen, I know you've all been through a lot. <laughs> but when you have a moment, I'd love to not spend the rest of this winter tied to this fucking couch. <laughs> and, like the way that he like starts off so calmly and then just goes into his scream is so good. Gets me every time. <laughs> but yeah, like it's it's incredible. Like the the there's not like this deep backstory of of character to, of character depth there's a lot of development throughout the movie but there's not a lot of depth of characters there there's no flashbacks no. or like context to anything that's happening it's literally just guys doing their job mm -hmm. it's and, just situational horror without any like oh this person has trauma from this which is yeah. so refreshing because that is everywhere now every movie yeah. starts with somebody having a traumatic event and then later they're in a horrible situation and they overcome it because of the trauma that they had already <laughs> fucking done. Yeah. And now they're a better person. Like I just, I fucking don't want that anymore. And this movie's so refreshing. Cause it's like, it's just about fucking these guys just doing their best. This is, they're up against a fucking shape-shifting alien. They have absolutely no idea what's going on or any training to deal with this. And it's fascinating enough. I'm so glad they didn't bog it down with like other things. I mean, that's why 
John Carpenter said, you know, in the original, I don't know if you know the original movie, The Thing from Another World is from 1951. And I believe in the original story, which is called Who Goes There? There, There's female scientists in the group, and it also follows the scientist group. So it's kind of more like the 2011 prequel. Mm -hmm. But there's women there. So John Carpenter made the decision to have it all men, which might Mm -hmm. sound sexist if you just look at that. But really, it was because... He was like, these. then there's no other motivations for any male here. There's no other weird, like, there's no, you know, relationship stuff. There's none of that complicating the story. It's just simple. And I think that's what it, what makes it so great. Yeah. And then the last thing is they don't explore the thing and like its origin or anything at all. So like these three things that are pretty standard in movies by today. Mm hmm. Like this movie doesn't have any of it, but this movie is incredible. Mm-hmm. Like it's the funny, fact like, that this is so good, in spite of all those things, like it's it's really unbelievable. It's hard to describe. Like if you tried to like sell this to someone who's never seen it, and like explain why it's so good, like you couldn't say it's it's the characters, it, like. It's, it's weird. a combination it's like, of everything. It's magic it's, that it all comes together so well. But I think you're right that it's like it's not anything traditional by what we have today. Like I would say all the things that you just said it's missing are like things that they shoehorned into the prequel that made no yeah. sense, which is why you're like, oh, I don't need that. Well, right. It's like if if we compare this to, to Halloween, mm-hmm. like you have characters, you have lore, you have lore. You have, oh, lore. Like. like the, yeah. the the history the of Michael okay. Myers. Yeah, I was like, yeah. her name is fucking Lori, dude. <laughs> Lore, what the fuck are you talking about? Come on, but that one it is like, yeah, there's characters because you have to have the teenagers and all that to care about them. But like, I do think it's still a very simple story. We don't, they don't oh, yeah, explain yeah, yeah, anything yeah. about why Michael Myers is attacking her or chooses Lori to be like, I'm gonna fucking get that bitch no matter what. Like, I think that's mm-hmm. what's scary. And same with the thing. Like nowadays, it's like. I, I don't want to fucking get any type of sympathy for the thing. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. but I don't need it. There's no way. And also, I don't want to hear what that thing has to say. It's probably not <laughs> going to be good. I'm sure that that thing doesn't want to waste any time anyway. So, well, and then it's another reason why Kurt Russell is just such a movie star because, like, he's given very limit limited. Like, he's just like your guy plays chess. He drinks a lot, and he's a he's a he's a helicopter pilot, and he also has a ridiculous hat. The but hat Kurt is incredible. Russell. I want that. I want <laughs> Kurt, it. It's so good. Kurt Russell just owns that hat. It's in like two or three scenes. And it's like, that's ridiculous. But I'm <laughs> jealous. <laughs> it's like on the commentary with him and John Carpenter. It's like he's just fucking laughing the whole time. But every time that hat comes up, he's just like loses it. And he's just like, that's a scene about a hat. Like they're, <laughs> they're all outside, like talking about something. And he's like, that's just a scene about a hat. Like, I can't think about anything else. And I'm like, it's just so high is what it is, but it's so good. But yeah, I think what's great about this movie, too. I mean, just with everything is that for me, I love this movie in the way of like all the actors are like everyday guys. Like they Mm -hmm. all look like somebody that you would even you've maybe seen before, like someone likes someone that you might know. I feel like in the 2011 prequel, I don't know anybody like everyone just looks like too Mm -hmm. handsome to be like a fucking scientist. (laughs) Yeah. Or whatever. No offense to any scientist. I'm sure there's beautiful ones, but I would say like not everybody can be that beautiful. Okay. Yeah. I'm just saying I want somebody who looks like an everyday guy in the 70s and 80s really captured this with mm-hmm. movies. I find nowadays it's just and that was one thing that stood out to me when I first watched this was just like 
these all look like real people that like this could act, like I'm actually I feel things for them, even though there's not this big plot or like um, character background for everybody. Like I still react yeah. to everything because they feel real, you know, the little yeah. character quirks that they all have. And they're they're just unique to something that you get today. They, they all feel like guys that just like saw the job posting and they're like, yeah, that I the need pay a is job good. and that's what I can do. So and maybe cool. I just I'm trying to get out of here because like, why <laughs> would you want to go to Antarctica for however long they're there? But but yeah, I, I think it's it's just I like the way that he changed it from like because the original story and the prequel are both scientist based. And I just feel like it's hard to feel empathy or care for anyone. Yeah. And I feel like and plus, I think. Both of those, the original and then the prequel, both have a lot bigger casts. Mm -hmm. I think this movie, like in the original story, it's like 30 people there or something. Mm -hmm. And you're like, just, and he's like, I got to cut that down. And I'm like, yeah. yeah, that's the move. If there's, I mean, it's already like a good amount for the thing. So if yeah. you add even more, I'm like, I would, this is like the perfect limit, right? Yeah. And you need to know who everyone is for there to, the, to be the tension for mm -hmm. who's the thing and the paranoia. Yeah. I think that's probably what I would use as the selling point for this movie. It's like, it's incredible for like the mystery of it and the paranoia and the tension that it maintains. Like even just the blood test scene. That's, that's like one of the most tense scenes ever. And they're just uh, putting a fucking hot needle in a Petri dish of blood. The, the blood test scene is iconic. Like it's so good. Like that's the only part of the movie that I feel like there's any exposition for. Mm -hmm. And it's, but it works because that scene just by itself is so tense. Like people need to talk and he's like holding them up at not gunpoint flamethrower point yeah. or dynamite point. Like we have to do this. And if we don't, we're all, I'm going to blow us up. Yeah. And I think that's where I get another line that I love where he's like, if a man bleeds, it's just tissue. But when the blood from one of you things is threatened, like I think it'll react. And it's like, yeah, like that's not going to just sit there when it's attacked. It's going to fucking fight back. Well, and it makes total sense, like his train of thought, like he was talking about how we like we saw the 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 spider head. And he's like, I Norris think he had like crawl off the table by itself. That looks so good. I, when I when I rewatched it and I saw that scene, I'm like, how is this Renee's favorite movie? This is like the Jumanji spiders, but with a head. <laughs> yeah, it's upsetting, but I love it because I'm like, it's almost like all the creature design in this movie, obviously, is grotesque and dis disgusting, but it's like. To me now, I just think it's beautiful. It's really <laughs> incredible. If you watch behind the scenes stuff of how they did it too, it's really, really cool. And I think I'm more appreciating the the uh, the beauty of it now. But it is fucking disturbing and terrifying. When that head sprouts the legs, it's very upsetting. I'm glad they did the spider legs. I think that was the perfect choice. Well, before we jump into the to the to all the the practical effects, I did just want to say on the on the note of exposition, I thought it was incredible that they had that little eight bit graphic that showed the the cells assimil assimilating. Uh -huh. That little eight bit graphic was more effective at just telling us what is going on, like what the yeah. stakes are, what the threat is, than like a twenty million dollar CGI exposition scene with voiceover. I'm exactly. <laughs> yeah, and like. <laughs> That's all you need is to know what the threat is, right? You don't need to know about where it came from, what its motives are. Who gives a fuck? It's here to fucking take over everybody, right? Like he, when Blair's doing the test and it's like, how long until like if this thing gets out, it's going to take over the whole world, right? And like what, 60,000 hours? But like, that's still pretty quick. <laughs> I, 
I, I I did some quick math and I think it came out to like three years. Yeah. I was like, I feel like it would work much faster than that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's got to travel. But like if those fucking pieces can all go off by themselves, that's what I'm saying is like, I mean, in this movie alone, they literally think they've killed it like five, eight times and it's still coming back. It's because like one little fucking piece of it gets away and you're screwed. I mean, I just I'm I, I, I love this movie, I think, more than Alien because of the fact that everybody is against the thing and they're like well let's mm-hmm. kill it right nobody's like we need to save this and protect it like i hate when that's a thing i just don't i don't care i've seen it a million times i think alien did that perfectly and now it's like so many of those other movies copy it including the prequel i love it that everyone's like fuck this thing let's murder it and get the fuck out of here right well and the difference between this and alien is alien we know what the alien is this it's kind of like a, a a mystery it's it's almost like if ryan johnson directed this it would be a it would be a horror comedy but like because it's, mystery, john carpenter, yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> because it's john carpenter it's just pure horror intention but like you, you don't know what what it actually looks like <laughs> what's going on like who's the thing like you asked me to to watch it and like see if i could pinpoint where the thing bounced around I'm still stuck on the first scene of the dog going into the room with the shadow. And I'm like, yep. who's the guy? Is that Palmer? Is it, uh, is it Clark? I was like trying to go based off the hair. I'm like, it's not mm-hmm. George. Cause there is hair. George is, is bald. But like who's after George? that, I'm like, I, uh, the guy who got shot, Be- uh, Bennings. Oh, Bennings. Okay. I'm like, George, I just know everyone by their last name in this movie. So I'm like, who the fuck is that? Um, no, I, so that's interesting. So fun fact is that they used um, a, a guy from the crew to film that scene so that because John Carpenter wanted it to be mysterious. But if you look at the neck line of his shirt and like his hair, it's Norris, who's the guy who has the heart attack and like his oh. head turns into a spider. He is the one. I believe that's what most people agree. Again, one of the best things about this movie is that like this is all just conjecture. We'll never know mm-hmm. for sure because John Carpenter purposely leaves things vague in this movie, specifically the ending too, but like yeah. a lot of stuff. So you never and that's what's even scarier about it. So you're not supposed to know every little thing about it. I've kind of mapped it out based on research from other people who have done this, but the list at least that I think I have is it starts with the dog. Yeah, obviously, because the dog is infected when we first meet it. Also, quick side note on the dog. Those Norwegians have the worst fucking shot ever. I know. I I counted 28 shots and a, I don't know, a fire grenade. Yeah. They didn't hit it. And then it takes one shot from Gary to take him down. It's like, these these Norwegians are just terrible at yeah. shooting things. <laughs> I mean, the guy's also been through like a lot that night, I guess. So like he's probably out of his mind. But still, like I just feel like, yeah, it's kind of weird. I don't I don't know why the kid hit the one dog on all of the snow where it's like clearly that's where it is. They're like flying all around it. But regardless of those questions, what a crazy opening to just be thrown into a movie and it's a helicopter with dudes trying to kill a fucking dog by throwing (laughs) bombs and shooting at it. You're like, what the fuck is going on? Which is great because it puts you in the same place as all of the characters in the movie. Yeah. That is all they see. And they're like, what the fuck is with this guy? And then it's like, let's just kill him. But it's like, 
Too bad the, the Norwegian guy couldn't speak English. That could have saved <laughs> a lot of time and pain. <laughs> but also that dog is so fucking cute. You don't want him to shoot it. That dog, uh, my first thought was um, A tier of dog actors. He was mm -hmm. real good. It's actually a different dog that's running from the helicopter that is the one that is in the actual, like, the the rest of the movie until it transforms. Immersion but, lost. I know. But anyways, they painted that one. But the main, the main dog who's in the movie and is, like, walking around the station, and it's so good. He's um, His name's Jed, and he was a uh, wolf. And like Malamute mix. So like that's why he doesn't bark ever. He never barked. He just doesn't mm. do that because he's like more wolf like. But then the guy who was handling him all the time was like, sometimes he would just like give you this look and you're like, oh, my <laughs> God, I think he might kill me. Like he had this like really vicious look in his eye. And I'm like, Jesus. But that's why it worked. He has a really intense stare in the, in the movie. And yeah. like it's so crazy that like that dog is just it's so fucking upsetting when the dog scene happens. But it's like. It's such a great build up to that. And you never could be prepared. Like as many times as I've seen it, I'm still always freaking out. Dude, the dog scene. I was. What the fuck? Like, yeah, that was from upsetting. the transformation to like the other dog getting slimed. Yeah, I was like, oh, my God. And then it all caps off with Kurt Russell kicking in the door shooting at it and then he's like i'm gonna spare this dog and we just see a dog get executed you know for good good reason i guess that's nice but like you see it you see the the gunshot it's like oh my god well, i would definitely be putting the dog out of its misery too that dog looks like it was so it's so much pain and it's like so upsetting but like I have to say, the more I watch it, the creature design is fantastic. Unbelievable. I mean, when that thing comes out, it looks like a fucking like flower head that's yeah. like popping out. Apparently, that's supposed to be like all the dog tongues like it has. And it's like doing that and then all the dog uh... teeth. And I'm like, Ugh. like <laughs> it's so gross. But it's so cool because one thing I was going to say, I totally forgot until now about the the practical effects in the movie and why I think it works well to make the, the mystery keep going is because like. After that first scene, when you see what it looks like, you still don't know what it looks like because you don't know what you're looking at first. There's a lot yeah. of weird shit going on. But then the next time you see it and then the time after that, it always looks different. Mm -hmm. And that's because basically the thing is like rushing around, doing all this, trying to do it quickly. And so every time they're coming, it's like a halfway through its process. So it's just yeah. messy and disturbing, which I think is great because if they were just attacking people who looked identical to them. And there was some other way to tell. Like, I love the fact that it's always a really messy, disgusting monster. Yes. That is what's great. And it's also what John Carpenter's ultimate goal with the movie was, was to make it so that the main villain, the creature, was not a man in a suit. Which he's mm -hmm. like, as much as I love Alien, that movie is a man in a suit. Like, you can tell. <laughs> well, and it's another thing that makes this movie so unique in that the, the creature is not something that you can, like, market. Like it's not it's like this iconic thing. Look. It's yeah. it's literally just the only way you can describe it. It's a thing. Like, yeah, that's why it's perfect. The name, the thing. Like that's literally all you could describe it as. Like there, there's literally no way to fucking describe. I mean, you see a lot of different things, and the thing is, is that you don't know where this thing's been, how many other life forms it absorbed, and how many things it can replicate. It's got like spider legs. It's got fucking tentacles. It's got even weirder shit that I don't know what it is. It's doing a lot. And it's like, who knows what the fuck this thing is? It's I'd, I'd be very curious to see it in its like original state 
Yeah. Because even in the prequel, I don't think you really get to. No. So it's like, I'm. I, that's what's great is that no matter what throughout this whole movie, you never really learn enough about the thing. You're still stressed out. And even the ending leaves you with that tense, scared feeling. Yeah. Well, and that, yeah, I mean, you get the dog getting executed. So like if you uh, if you think John Wick is the worst dog story you've ever heard, uh, this movie does it. And then another, then the other dogs just get axed. Yeah. <laughs> and Bummer. See- I mean, but, but to uh, be fair, it's like like Blair obviously goes a little nuts when he realizes that this thing is like it's like a 75 percent chance it's already taken over one or more members of the crew. You're like, well, fuck. And he just like destroys everything. I kind of love it, though, because it's like he's got the right idea, man. He might be insane, but he's also like we're fucked. We're not leaving. Like we're all going to die here because this thing can't get back to the world. Right. I was going to ask you. So when did Blair get taken that's the thing so let's talk about the order of when they get okay. turned into the thing because i think that's an interesting thing that like haha how many times can i say the thing in this episode but <laughs> i i feel like that's really interesting to like talk about because it's so mysterious and not everybody really it's hard to track really yeah so i got the dog is obviously where it starts mm-hmm. um and then i was Who's like number one i was like based off the shadow it could be maybe Palmer, Clark, or Norris. Then we, but Bennings is the first one to be discovered. Visually. Yeah. Yeah. But that is separate from that scene of the shadow. Mm-hmm. So the real question is who was the person in the room with the dog? Clark says he was with the dog by himself for about an hour and a half. But when they test Clark after he's dead, he's a, he's not a thing. He's a human. Uh, yeah. So he's never a thing. So Palmer was the one during the blood scene. He's the one who actually transforms. Yes. Palmer is found out during the blood test. So the but Norris was the first one to die it's, and yeah. And, well, no, Norris, Norris is later. He dies later. Bennings is the first technically to die because he gets like they catch him mid change. So like he's still got those tentacles and like shit around oh, him. Yeah, 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 and yeah, so they right. kill him. But like Norris is, I think, the first one to get taken because the shadow just looks a lot like him. Still, it could be Palmer as well. But I think when Palmer got what I guess is based on the research I did, it sounds like when the dog creatures attacked, there's like part of it like crawls up through a hole and like gets away. Mm-hmm. So I think like, cause you know, little parts could detach. So I, they set it on fire, but like a little part probably might've gotten away. And that's mm-hmm. what probably infected Palmer or Norris did either way. But I also noticed that like, I think Palmer, the reason I think Palmer and Norris get turned pretty early. Cause I think Palmer's also the one that's like, um, he hangs back when the blood, when they find that the blood was destroyed. So I think he might've been the one to actually dump it. Cause he's not anywhere around when they're like, um, talking about that stuff and like worried about it. It's just like, he kind of seems a little suspicious. Plus they give you a little hint in the blood testing. They don't, they put shadows on his eyes instead of the other cast members. They show them all with lit eyes and his uh. has shadows and it's supposed to be kind of like a, He's the thing before it, right before it happens, but it's a very tiny little thing. So he would be second, then Bennings. So Bennings yeah. is technically the third, but it's interesting we, to note 
but Bennings gets turned from the body of from Norris's body, right? Or no, is that from, the, the body they recover? It's the the two man body, you know, the yeah, two yeah, faces yeah, yeah, that yeah, are yeah, morphed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's that one that they bring back and that they just keep in the storage room because they think it's fine and it's dead, but it's like still alive. But then what's interesting about the Bennings death is that when Windows comes back and finds him there, he drops the keys that he just got from Gary. And then they remain there the whole time that everyone like they run in there and then they run outside and deal with Bennings. So I'm assuming that Palmer at some point or Norris had grabbed the keys, destroyed the blood um, um. at that point. So Blair is interesting because I think when he destroys all the equipment and goes fucking nuts and they attack him, uh, Palmer's missing during that scene, too, which is interesting. But they that's when they decide to put him in the shed. And I think maybe that was when. Palmer was like planting some of the evidence of like McCready's ripped shirt or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then basically like when they check on Blair later, the first time they check on him, he's sitting there eating out of a can, which Fuchs had just said the guy who sets himself on fire. Mm-hmm. He says like, we should all eat out of our own cans, p- prepare our own food. So Blair's doing that. So it sounds like he's still worried about beating the thing. So then by the next time they see and him, it, isn't that when he says, keep an eye on Clark. Mm hmm. And yeah. I think I think by basically just they show it off. They don't show us um, him being assimilated by the thing. But I think that's on purpose because John Carpenter didn't want you to remember Blair. And like because he acted so strongly against it, you kind of just forget about him the whole movie. And he seemed mm-hmm. trustworthy until he obviously went insane. But because he's isolated, I think either Palmer or Norris come in there and assimilate him. And then that must be early because then throughout the week, I think he's sneaking in and stealing shit from like the destroyed helicopters to build his little mini ship. And what's interesting is that um, he's also the one I think who walks by Fuchs when the power goes out and Fuchs is in the lab and he goes out and then someone walks by him in the darkness. I think it's Blair because what I found out was that the music cue that plays is like a and that same music cue only appears one other time at the end of the movie when the Blair is the thing and he takes over and kills Gary. So oh. it's like a little music cue that's the same. So I think it is Blair. So it, it sounds, I mean, he's, these are, it takes like five days, right? To go through this whole thing. That's like apparently the timeline. There's like, it's a few days worth of oh. this. It's not just 24 hours or 48 hours. It seems that way at first. But well, it's basically, like, it's like, it's yeah, like there's the- supposed to be a couple of days. It's like the first half of the movie takes place over a couple of days, but then mm-hmm. I feel like the last half or the last third is Once just like the real shit goes night. down. Then yeah, yeah, it's like the last night when all the shit goes down. But like the thing is basically in this movie, it's dealt with the Norwegian base already. Right. So it's been mm-hmm. attacked by people. So it's basically here. It's strategy is different because that it's, it's been through a first encounter with humans and that went terribly. And it ended up as a dog. So here it's like trying to be hidden as much as possible, basically. And the only that's why it's only getting caught when it's like having to do this, because it's also always like fucking trying to get out of the situation and and stop things from getting worse. Because, you know, like they said, it's totally fine with going in the ice. It just does like it it needs to survive somehow. Yeah. (laughs) Or take everybody over. Well, yeah. And and the only two people that actually like die that don't that don't you know get assimilated is is doc and um it's uh clark right yeah yeah doc and clark yeah 
everyone else is presumed to have been a sibling, but like we don't see Nalls. No, so I'll get like I'll what get, happens to him. Yeah, so I'll, I'll get to that one. Uh, these are the last few, and then I have a big question for you, which is I think the ultimate debate of this movie is about the end. But um, number five is Windows, who is obviously turned um, after Palmer exposes himself and he goes up and then just hesitates to blow him out and then gets fucking eaten in the head and then he's like dancing around with him that's a great scene such a great scene it's so stressful i was actually going to ask you do you think that that windows actually like got infected or was he just burned alive just in case i think he was starting to like his hands and body look a little weird when they set him on fire like he's making these weird kind of like groans and like stuff so it's like he's come he's starting to be the thing i definitely think because they're not as specific about how you can become the thing but like i mean just if you're saying that you could even like eat the same thing as someone and saliva could pass it which very well could be i guess that's then i think being stuck in the mouth plus i think it's just any time that it makes contact with you we don't see what it's doing on the inside, but I would imagine it's similar to like a face hugger. It's shoving shit in there and just, <laughs> and then you're just be like, you're morphing with it, you know, or it's absorbing you and then recreating you. I I'm kind of, de- I don't know exactly what it's MO is, but I think it's more of like, it's assimilating you in with it. And then it's going to look like you. I actually watched that scene not thinking that he was really like, cause I, I felt like if he just bit him, it's kind of like a zombie thing. And I didn't think they were going for a zombie thing. Like It felt like they were going for like, you're full on being absorbed. Like and they kept yeah. saying you need time to, to be absorbed. To do a full assimilation, I think. So, but I think him being in his mouth and like doing yeah. him around enough up there was like, who knows what's going on in there? I'm sure it wasn't pleasant. Either way, like, I mean, yeah, if, if he's not infected at that point, kind of burning him alive is not really the best, but Better I, than whatever happened. I don't, to me, that actually made that moment a lot more powerful because it was mm-hmm. like they were burning him alive. Like they're none the wiser. They don't know. Like they're they're in the shit. We're just watching the shit. I mean, and yeah, they're just kind of being safe. It, it was like because of the sounds that he was making, it sounded like he was making human noises versus like the screams that we heard from the, yeah. the creature. So I don't I liked that scene and the ambiguity of is he yeah. a human or is he that's a, a thing? good point. I just kind of assumed I was like, dude, that guy's covered in fucking thing blood. <laughs> like that's probably let's kill him. Let's he just got Venus fly trapped by the thing. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, man. That is not a way that I want to go. Um but I I mean all the ways that you can be assimilated never look fun. Um so then after Windows though is Gary who mm. gets it in the boiler room and he gets it with like Blair's fingers going into his face, which I thought yeah. was pretty interesting. It's like some fucking shunting shit, which is like <laughs> kind of what the, they do that one scene of talk to me. And yeah. uh, it's like pretty gnarly looking. I always don't like that. Knowles gets, um, he's the last one. And originally they had storyboarded a whole thing for his death. And he was going to be like coming through the floorboards and like partially thing. And then like uh, be killed by, McCready, but they couldn't they didn't have the budget the budget was like really big for the effects and they still ended up needing more just for like the last bit to do the Blair monster and so Mm. I think they ended up just cutting it but I kind of like that it's vague because you just never see him but you know you're like don't fucking go there dude yeah don't walk away and I'm like I I do love I'm like I get that they have to put the dynamite and blow this place up quick but it's also like should we maybe all stick together though 
I kind of feel like maybe we should, right? Yeah. It's like, I think we've learned we should not be on our own. But then the <laughs> so the last question of infection is child's, right? Because yeah. he basically, he's left to guard and they're all going to the shack to get Blair. And then they find that he's missing and he's been building a spaceship and he's probably fucking doing everything. So then Nall sees him, right? He sees child's fucking walk out of the base and into mm. the fucking like into the snow outside the base within a few seconds after that the power goes out so it's like did blair do that or did childs and then you know you see the ending is so ambiguous because they don't explain who's the thing mccready defeats the thing the blair thing that comes out with still some yeah. dog it's so good yeah. which is another reason why i think he got taken from part of the assimilated from part of the dog thing possibly or somebody did yeah um but anyways, it's interesting. Some people think that he's where I guess he is wearing a different jacket when he leaves. And when he comes back after the base has been blown up and him and McCready sit by the fire, he's wearing a blue jacket when he walks off. And then when Childs comes back, he's wearing a brown jacket, which is the bra the same jacket uh. that Blair's been wearing, but that Blair mysteriously doesn't have on him anymore when he attacks Gary. So people are like, maybe he changed Childs while he was guarding and then Childs went to do the power or whatever. And then they were like, okay, if he kills the Blair thing, at least Childs is still alive and he's the thing. Like okay. that, that's that's an idea. Although, I don't know. It's just, it, I think the thing that I want to think he's he's been assimilated by the thing is because why the fuck would he just walk out of there? Like, <laughs> what, what are you doing, you know? Yeah, it get the jump weird. on Kurt Russell. I'm like, yeah, exactly. The only reason is so that so that you stay alive long enough yeah. to be one of the survivors and either change McCready at the end or just freeze with him and yeah. hope that, you know, you get <sighs> discovered. <laughs> yeah. But I, I don't know. What was your idea when you saw that whole scene? That's just like these are the different theories that people have. I'm inclined to think he's a thing, but I also am totally not sure at all. <laughs> so I'm going to give you. um a frustrating answer and then also a great answer. I think you'll think it's great all at the same time. I don't care if, if That's he's the a right answer. Or not. I think, I mean, based off my analysis alone, I couldn't figure out where the first, the first change happened. So, but the, I think this is one of the best endings of all time because, you know, like, there's a whole thing of amb ambiguous endings. This is this is the movie that the ambiguous ending is a hundred percent in line with the entire movie. Yeah, it's perfect. Uh, like exactly the whole because movie, it... you're trying to figure out who's a thing, who's not a thing, and it's only appropriate that, that the movie still... ends yeah. with that same question. And the feeling of paranoia never goes away because, especially like it's perfect, I think, for this movie because at the end. McCready doesn't know. Childs doesn't know. Maybe he does. I don't know. But we don't know either. And I think that's in line that we're supposed to be with McCready this whole time, right? Yeah. And I feel like he doesn't know for sure. And there's all these theories about, oh, he's testing him. He put gasoline in the whiskey bottle. And then when he drinks it, he knows. It's like, relax, okay? Like, I think, like, John Carpenter has said that, like, it's, the scene is done. It's meant to be ambiguous. You know, I think they've, like, They've had different people come up with different things, but I think overall it's best that it's ambiguous. I think like originally there was an ending where like they got found by the pilots and then they both tested negative or like 
one of them or like Childs was dead and McCready was alive or both of them were originally maybe going to be the thing and then like, you know, get on mm. the, the helicopter, the rescue helicopter. But like, I think any of those endings would have sucked. Like, this is just better. They just, yeah, I like- mean, they find, probably would have been okay. But it's like, this is perfect. This is just, in- this is why this movie is incredible. I think one of the yeah. biggest reasons. Yeah. And, and ultimately like whether Childs is or is not a thing, it doesn't, change the ending kurt russell has no no way of knowing and he's he's killed people and he's killed things throughout this movie so either way he's gonna kill this person if he has the chance so that this thing has no way to get to the mainland and spend three years assimilating. But I kind of love that he's just like, at this point, neither of us can do anything to each other. So let's just sit here and for a while and see what happens. That's got to mm. be one of the best lines to end a movie on ever, because it's like, that would normally be so infuriating, I think. And maybe yeah. at the time it was, or maybe some people think that, but I think it's it's incredible because that's the whole point, really, is that, I mean, obviously the thing is fucking killing people left and right and making them die horribly. But like the people are turning on each other for people who are not even the thing, you know, it really turns you against each other really fucking quick. And it's like even fucked up the shit that we do to each other. I mean, there's that scene when like Nalls is like, I cut the line on McCready yeah. and they're like, and they're like, well, what if he's not the thing? And he's like, well, then he's not like, well, we <laughs> fucked up, but too bad. Like we're not gonna let him in. And I'm like, that's the thing. It, like it really quickly makes you just like turn on everyone. And everyone's like every man for themselves. But that's why they just they can't compete with the craziness of Kurt Russell because he breaks in and he's like, I'll blow this whole fucking thing up. All of us go ahead. Light me on fire. He's got dynamite and a flare. I was like, I love this guy. (laughs) I fucking love him. Every time they talk and they're like trying to figure out who's who or what to do it again, it just reminds me of Among Us. And when Mm -hmm. you get to the lobby and you're talking with your friends and you're accusing people, it's it's that thing except there's no stakes no one's dying but it's just like i saw you do something yeah exactly you're the fucking thing <laughs> or it's like i know i'm the thing so i'm casting suspicion on everybody and i'm accusing my neighbor because that's the best way to like get blame off yourself right um i did want to say before we go to the the shittier version of the thing <laughs> um besides besides we should shout out rob botin who did all the creature effects stan mm. winston did the dog creature but um, Rob Bottin was 21 when he made this movie and he was hospitalized after because he like didn't take a day off the entire time they shot this movie and he slept on the sets and like he just worked 24 seven and he was like putting his all into it. And I think I mean, it's incredible that it's like, man, that poor guy. But what I mean, to do that at 21, that's just crazy. That's, that's, some, that's some Spielberg shit. I want to look up like what other movies he's worked on. Like if he was 21 when he did this, he had to have gone on to to do a lot more. Cause oh yeah, he he also was on. Um, he did this stuff for RoboCop, Total Recall, Seven. Um, oh yeah, the, he made his mark. <laughs> yeah, Game of Thrones. Even like he's been doing shit, and he's just wow. incredible. He also did it for um that werewolf movie, The Howling. He had done that right before, and that's mm. why he was like, I don't want to do another fucking dog creature. So, <laughs> um, I but enough he, dogs. Yeah, his creature work is so unique and upsetting, and it's unlike something you've ever seen before, which is why it's so great. And I think one of the mm. biggest reasons this movie is so 
great no matter when you watch it because they hold up and they look really well done. You got a really great director shooting really great makeup effects, you know, so it's going to be perfect. But this is the first movie of John Carpenter's trilogy, his apocalypse trilogy that he's made. Um, So I just wanted to shout it out because if you enjoy the thing, you will definitely enjoy the other two movies, which I've watched in this trilogy. Um, The second one is Prince of Darkness from 1987, which is about like Satan returning, but it's like framed through like science and like physics. It's really interesting, but really good. Um, And then In the Mouth of Madness from 94 with Sam Neill, which is a personal favorite. And it's about he's investigating, looking for an author who's like a Stephen King guy who's disappeared and his next book is due and his readers all start going crazy because his words are making them insane. It's, it's really cool, but <laughs> it's all about the apocalypse. That's a big theme for him. So if you like the apocalypse, you'll also like those. All right. Well, that sounds like some high praise. Oh yeah. So let's take a, a quick breath and uh, go to the thing, the, th- the lesser thing. <laughs> what was it doing to him? It's imitating his cells. I think this thing copies its prey and then hides inside it. What are you saying? Not all of us are human. Could be any of us. All right, so let's talk about the other thing uh, from 2011. It was funny. When I was talking with Sarah about these movies, and I kept saying the thing and the thing. She's just like, are, are, are you guys talking about the thinginings? <laughs> the thinginings. I like that. I guess. Yeah. The thinginings. <laughs> it's like, I mean, well, the interesting thing is that I guess like they decided, even though this is movie is a prequel, technically it's about what happened at the Norwegian base mm-hmm. before Kurt Russell and all them and get to deal with it. So it's a prequel. It's not a remake, but I guess they just couldn't. They said they couldn't come up with a good subtitle like the beginning or whatever. Or like, I mean, because it's like the thing dot dot the beginning. Like, it just seems stupid. <laughs> yeah. or like, you know, what are you going to put? And like, you have to call it the thing because it's like, that's the only way to fucking describe this thing. Like we said, plus it was like 30 years later. So it's like you have to also kind of appeal to a new audience and <laughs> Yeah, exactly just, so it's like and yeah that's the thing is like but i mean i'm i'd be shocked if people don't know about the original or not the original that's the crazy thing is that john carpenter's isn't even the original um but it's the best version of this story and i think i'm glad though that they did do a prequel in the era of the you know early 2000s 2010s of just remaking fucking everything i'm proud that they didn't because the producers said that they like convinced the studio by that to do it by making it a prequel because they said it would be like painting a mustache on the Mona Lisa if you tried to remake his version. <laughs> and I'm yeah. like, well, at least you fucking knew that, right? <laughs> I mean, again, self awareness. It's good self awareness, but it is. I mean, just from all the stuff about this movie, the director was really adamant that we got to use practical animatronics, you know, everything like that, just to keep with the same vibe. And the studio let him do that for a while, and then just painted over everything with CGI and post production. So it's just fucking bullshit even though he was like no that's gonna ru- like ruin the movie how dare you i think that should have been illegal for them to do that <laughs> it's it's final destination 3d all over again yeah but it's worse because <laughs> i would say like as much as practical effects are like a big part of final destination they still at least had some cgi 
I mean, yeah. this movie, I would say the only CGI, the original or the sorry, I always want to say the original, but John Carpenter's the thing <laughs> has the CGI with the beginning with the spaceship going yeah. to Earth. And I think that's I mean, maybe a little bit, you know, here and there. But I would say this movie just is like all CGI. You don't even yeah. see really any of the practical effects except for maybe the autopsy. And it's such a bummer because if you look it up, the studio or the company who did it, Am Amalgamated Dynamics, they did all the special effects work. So they they didn't necessarily finish everything, I think. Like not everything was com completed, but they got pretty far. And uh, then they ended up crowdfunding their own movie after this and making a movie called The Harbinger Down, which is really bad. And they put it out and it's like, it just uses all the special effects that they made for this movie. But it just shows you that like they are not directors because they made the movie themselves. And it's like they don't know how to light yeah. the thing. So you can barely see it. And it's like, I'm sure it's cool under there, but I can barely see this fucking thing. It's like a sci-fi movie kind of. It's very like poor, but, you know, yeah. at least they got to put out their practical effects for them because I think that's the biggest bummer, you know, yeah. so about who, this movie. Who, who, who directed this one? Um, his name is he's from he's actually Norwegian, which is a big reason why he wanted to make it about the Norwegian base. But um, his name is and excuse me, because I'm fucking not Norwegian, but it says uh, Mathis van Heinegen. So I, that's probably I attempted. Yeah. Well, I had to listen to it a few <laughs> times, but he was very adamant. And at, right after this movie and because they made him do everything, like all this stuff with CGI, they made him change the ending Um the studio did. So he ended up retiring for a decade and losing all passion for filmmaking after this movie. And he's, I think now he's working in Norway again, but he says he refuses to work with an American studio because his negative experience on this film. Jesus. I mean, the studio, I mean, it's universal too, which is like crazy, but maybe they were just really concerned because when they first released the thing, you know, John Carpenter's the thing, it didn't, it wasn't a big success. Mm -hmm. So maybe that's why, but like, it's become a success like crazy since then. So just like fucking sit back, idiots. I hate corporate or like fucking studios who think that they know better than the creative people working on the movie. Yeah, like it would make sense that this movie like was in Norwegian, like the like subtitled and all that. They they bring in multiple American characters for some reason because they're like we we can't just do a fucking <laughs> movie in Norwegian. I'm like, okay, relax, because you totally could. And I actually enjoy that. Like one of the things I really liked about Meg too is that they have a lot of scenes that are just literally in Mandarin. And I'm like, this makes sense. <laughs> Thank you. I was wondering why in the first movie they were all speaking English. Like, come I on, it's okay. I think we can handle it. I mean, I think people who love the thing would actually appreciate it being subtitled because like the opening scene of the of of the 82 thing was like there was no subtitles for what they were saying. They were just shouting in Norwegian because it's from the American characters like they don't know what they're saying. Yeah, so, like, so I exactly. Think, I think it actually would have went over better, at least to fans of the of the 82 movie and they do in, just at times but it's like not a lot because they bring in so many of the americans that like everybody all the norwegians have to speak english basically except for that one guy who has the dog that they're saving for the end of the movie to lead into the next one they're like oh he's the only one here who doesn't speak english and we're like, yeah, like great couldn't have been anybody else who made it to the other base <laughs> yeah like joel e egerton's character like i love mm -hmm. joel egerton but like his character right. is essentially supposed to just be mac from or like from a child kind of i think 
I think of okay. him more as child. He was because the I pilot. Think, yeah, he is the pilot, totally. But I still think of like I think Mary Elizabeth Winstead as McCready. But I guess like her character obviously is is based on Ripley from Alien. Yeah. And I'm like, I get it. But like, it's just we don't need that right now. You know, like that's that's fine. And it's not like they did anything like she had this romantic love triangle. Like, so that was fine. And I love her. She's maybe the only good part of this movie. So I'm really and, glad she's in it. And we love Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Oh, God. We yeah. love her. <laughs> I, I saw somebody say that, like, I never remember her face because she's so bland and boring. And I was like, who the fuck said that? Like, how, how dare she- you? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Are you kidding me? OK, she's like gorgeous, first off. And she's a really good actress. And I, I love that, like, when you first meet her, she's doing like an autopsy, which, by the way, is one of the dog thing props from John Carpenter's The Thing. Oh, nice. So I do like that because I was like, what the fuck is that creature? Like, you assume it's like some sort of weird saber tooth or some weird shit. Yeah, I thought it was like a saber tooth. But it's, yeah, it's one of the dog things. So I thought that was fun. But she's listening to that song, like, Who Can It Be Now? And it's like, that's a little (laughs) bit on the nose. But like, that's how the 2000s do movies, baby. We got to tell you what's going on right up front. (laughs) Although they do have that scene in Norwegian, I guess, at the very beginning when he's telling that joke about the kid fucking his grandma, which just really comes out of nowhere. I was like, wow, I did not know where this joke was going, but I did not expect that. I, I remember like reading the subtitles. I'm like, wait, what? Can, can we finish the joke before anything else happens? Like, <laughs> did we translate that right? I got to check that. Yeah. I was like, uh, what? I'm sorry. There's, and then it's like, nobody has any time to even deal with that because it's like, oh shit, we found the fucking ship. <laughs> but yeah, it's like, I don't know. I guess what do you, what did you think about this movie after having like you watched it literally right after watching John Carpenter's The Thing and you'd this only was, seen that a long time ago. So then you're like, yeah, so this was my first time seeing it. Um, so like when you talk about the studio interference and stuff, it makes a lot of sense because there was a there was a lot of things about this movie that I thought were I was like, oh, I, I like the ideas that you have here. Like they, they have some interesting things that they're trying to do, but they can't fully do, or they never fully like develop. It seems like there was some ideas that were there and then something cut them off. And like, for example, I was really worried that they were going to recreate the blood, the blood scene. Yeah. Cause you can't, there's no way you could even touch that. And they didn't. And they replaced it with the with the metal and the inorganic material, I, the filling. I thought that was actually really good. That was a good thing. I thought that that was interesting. It's like I don't apply that though to to the eighty two one because like when I rewatch it, I'm like, well, Childs has his earring at the end. That could mean that he's not the thing, you know? Like that, it, they weren't thinking about that shit. You've watched this movie so many times. I know, <laughs> but one thing that I think is cool that they were gonna do extra. Um, that would have, I think, been another kind of thing like the the inorganic material as a way to count or to tell someone's the thing is that the original ending, which obviously we'll get to the the what they fucking pulled together is the ending. <laughs> but originally, because they end up back on the ship yeah. and the original cut was go was um was going to be like, you know how they see that thing that's like a CGI Tetris, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like, what is this? Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, like, they don't even try. I was like, is this like an error? Like, what is this? Yeah. But basically, the director's idea was that she would discover that the original pilot um, of the spaceship 
had collected a bunch of different specimens. Like he had traveled to different places and mm. collected specimens. And one of those was the thing who escaped and killed all of them, including the pilot. So oh. it is almost more interesting because it's like, then the thing isn't even like capable or maybe it can, but maybe, you know, it's only figured that out after assimilating other things, but like it maybe wasn't driving the fucking ship at the beginning. That makes a lot of sense. Cause like the, when I hated when they went back to the spaceship, it's because so dumb. the, the whole time I'm thinking, I'm like, how can like something with this advanced technology like end up how can the pilot end up being the this monster and like it's yeah, it not make sense it's not a it looks gross so it's a monster it just it literally looks like it doesn't have any other function as a living thing other than to assimilate mm -hmm. other organic things like it doesn't feel like it has any sort of like knowledge other than just surviving. So it's like, and, and expanding and growing and like touch assimilating things, you know, yeah, it's, it's trying like, to like grow and do more, but it's, and we don't even know if it's necessarily like feeding off of it for food. Like it yeah. definitely eats you, but it's like, does it though? It like eats you and then just spits out a new version of you or like eats you. And then a part of it becomes you like, you know what yeah. I mean? It's hard it's, to tell. Yeah, it almost like acts like a virus or like a, a yeah. parasite rather than something that can pilot a ship. Yeah, so I thought <laughs> that that was really fascinating and that she would have seen the original pilot and that that makes sense as to like one of the pods had broken and the thing had gotten out, which also makes sense because I think they bring it up. Um, Eric Christian Olsen, you know, the Olsen twins brother. He's yeah. like the American guy. And I'm like, he just doesn't belong here. He's too hot. It doesn't look like he like even like would be a scientist yeah. first off. But he's like, he says when they're like, after they discover it and he's like, why would it like, why did it escape the ship? You know, because yeah. like if you land here on this unsuspecting planet, why would you leave your cozy ship? Like, why would you fucking try to yeah. get out of here in the snow? You have no idea where you are. And, he, and so I think that that reason that that's still in the movie is because they originally were going to kind of have her realize this at the end of like, oh, so this thing isn't even like the one capable of all that shit. It's like yeah. the fucking thing that's just like, I got loose and I killed everything and now I had to get away and then I froze. So it makes more sense, actually. It's kind of a really great idea and I'm, makes me hate the studio even more. <laughs> yeah, they could have done some some good world building and like logically shoehorned in another alien we get it we get a alien versus predator type situation which also takes place on antarctica yeah uh, <laughs> i mean maybe that's part of the thing i don't know <laughs> but yeah like it, it was just weird like just some of the decisions that were made like the original movie was sorry the 82 movie was so you can just call it the og who here yeah. has watched the 51 version yeah. i mean i have and it's fun but it's like it's a black and white movie, a bunch of guys in a room. So this is like, I think, Kurt, we can say from now on the OG we're talking about, John Carpenter's. Yeah. For our people, the layman. It's, yeah, this, for all this, you laymen out there. Yeah. Uh, th that movie was so simple uh -huh. and streamlined. This movie just seemed to like overcompensate because they couldn't figure out how to do simple in a really great way. Yeah, and they have too many characters. They have way more than the than before. And because like there's I feel like everyone also is so good looking 
And they all, like, they're all just like, you know, you can tell they're actors. That's the thing. I feel like back in the 80s, 70s, they had a lot of people that just looked like regular fucking people that were actors. Nowadays, everyone's got perfect teeth and they have perfect skin and they all look really good. And it's like, okay, just nobody feels real. But also, there's too many scientists and they all look similar. So I don't know who's who. That might be because we weren't alive in the 80s. So maybe just that far back, we're like, that's crazy that people. No, I mean, I I was born in 89. I lived through the 90s. People still dress similar. You you lived through the 89. I lived 89 is whatever. I still count it. And I'm just saying that, like, I just think there's something to the people that were in the first that were in the OG compared to here. I think the people mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. are not as they don't have any character traits. Like I know we don't get into backstories on that one and we don't really hear like at least thank God they didn't give fucking Mary Elizabeth Winstead some traumatic experience that she's like coming back from. You know what I mean? Yeah. It wasn't like that. It was Something very much a rip. her. It was like very much a Ripley thing where she's just fucking like thrown into this position just like McCready. Right. It makes sense. But I just I don't think outside of her, Joel Edgerton and then fucking Tormund from Game of Thrones. I'm like, I mean, the two lead bad scientist guy. And then that I'm out. That's it. And that's pr- doing pretty good. I feel like most people probably couldn't even do that. <laughs> Can you imagine how much worse this would have been if they had wrote in some sort of past trauma for for Mary Elizabeth Winstead? that somehow relates to an alien that assimilates all living beings. And that's how she solves the problem. (laughs) Right. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like it just, it wouldn't have made sense. And I just, I'm just, it's just either way, it's still not good, but I just don't understand all the things. I think it's good for people to understand that it's not the, the director's fault. It seems like he had really good intentions Yeah, and actually had cool ideas and I don't blame him for this movie turning out the way it did. I agree. So like watching the original and then this one back to back, there's certain things that there's a lot of attention to detail. Like they in this yeah. movie, they hit all the beats from that one scene in the in the 82 where like they walk through the camp and they see all this stuff and they they hit it all good like the axe in the wall mm-hmm. the kitchen destroyed like it's they really like they the, really the, nailed that <laughs> they really like spent time putting all that together like how do we they're like we have the the blueprint how do we hit all of these beats and they they really did i agree with that's a great i'm glad that you noticed that cuz i feel like that's one of the best things about the movie again it's really not the worst movie ever like i'd say this is just pretty average overall like i don't i didn't hate it and it's still part of the thing mythos. So I'm like, I am probably just like, I enjoy it still to watch. But like, yeah. it's just not anywhere near as good. But I agree with you. Sorry, what did you just say? I just totally talked about that. I, I said that they, that they hit all the beats that yes. they show in the in the first movie. Yes. Okay. That's exactly right. So what's interesting is that they had Kurt Russell. Like they had, they didn't have like the actual measurements for the original set of like when they go to the Norwegian base, which is actually just like their base burned down. They like recreated the Norwegian set out of that at the end. But it's like they literally had pictures of it and the way that they rebuilt it was based off of Kurt Russell's height and how tall he is in those scenes. And that's how they rebuilt the scope of it. And I was like, that's crazy. But what great attention to detail. I mean, even leading up to the opening scene, the only issue for me is that with all that fucking detail, why couldn't you have shot it on the same fucking camera? 
you know, yeah. or give it like, a, you know, if Ty West had done this movie, it would have looked perfect. <laughs> like it would have just gone right into the to the yeah. 82 version and looked like it was almost the same movie. Yeah. It's the same thing with The Hobbit. I mean, just because we have all these tools doesn't mean we should just go fucking ape shit with it. It doesn't fit with the original movie. What? But they do, they they do do it with the ending of this movie. Like they tie the ending of the of 2011 yes. into the very beginning of shooting the dog or attempting yeah. to shoot the dog. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> they tie that in perfect. <laughs> but you're right. Like th- this is kind of like a original Star Wars to prequel Star Wars situation where it's like all of this stuff looks nicer than the stuff that happened allegedly in the future like <laughs> why is the stuff in the past better looking than the stuff in the future in the but future for me i think actually the stuff that happens in the future is even better like i think the stuff in the 82 thing looks tend to all the effects i think are way better and oh. more believable in that movie than this movie i agree i'm, I'm saying that the technology oh, in the yes. movie of course yeah yeah but yeah. that's the thing is like especially because this movie is also taking place in 82 like it should really yep. have felt and i feel like outside of the fact that nobody's on their cell phone which like again like i said who knows what the service is like there I still feel like there's no indication that it's an eighties movie besides yeah. like the text at the beginning. And they, they don't make you feel it at all. Right. Yeah, like the first one, they have the chess machine, which mm-hmm. that computer is dedicated to playing all the chess. computers that they're using yeah. are very, yeah. Like there's a lot of, and it, I mean, everyone looks eighties too. Everyone here looks like there's modern people yeah. just thrown into the eighties. You know what I mean? Yeah. I also, one thing that stuck out to me that bothered me, I was like, in the original one, they come to the conclusion of flamethrowers. Yeah. In this one, everyone has a fucking flamethrower. Like Thank from you. the beginning of the movie. Yeah, <laughs> like- right. And here's my I this finally like came to my mind after rewatching the 82 version so much. But I'm like, do they ever explain why all of these guys at this base who are in our Antarctica need a fucking flamethrower? Like, why do they have all those? I don't know. Do they ever explain why the fuck they all need three flamethrowers? They they don't. They, I mean, the first I mean, I movie. The, the, fir- the, the first movie doesn't explain anything. So, like, no. my guess would be with the snow. Maybe sometimes they need to melt it that in the seems event of extreme. a I'm, I don't know. I'm jumping through hoops. <laughs> Actually, I have heard of people doing that with fucking flamethrowers, but that just seems dangerous, even <laughs> for the 80s. But but either way, yeah, these ones, they just grab it out of nowhere because, yeah, in the other one, they actually test out things. I mean, I guess they shoot it in this one, but well, and then but, it crawls well, up into the building, so they have to burn it. But well, they could also the, throw a bomb, right? Well, in the first one, that so they explain why the Norwegians had ex- incinner- incendiary grenades. Mm-hmm. It was yeah. to dig up to dig up the ship, but then they also it, the when the helicopter when that dumb Norwegian throws the grenade it. grenades him on accident, they're like this helicopter is filled with kerosene. Like it's filled with a bunch of fire and they're like, Oh, what are they going to use this? I guess that's for? true. They also find the burned remains back there. So they're like, they, so they burned two it and two together. This movie <laughs> does not put the original one and one together to equal two. Like, no, this it's one, almost like they just, just like, stumble fire. upon it in the same yeah. way. And it's like, well, maybe we could have figured out why, but it's like, it's also just, I mean, I know that they showed the transformations a bit more in this movie, but like, None of them are even good. I would say the only one that even gets me is the one with Tormund because you just feel bad for him. 
and I don't want him to die. But that's because of Game of Thrones. That's none of the work that this movie did to make me like him. He had maybe one or two lines before, you know, just barely. He's barely there. So I I had an impression when I saw the CGI for the monster. First off, there's way too much monster in this movie. Too much, which I guess before you sorry, before you go on, I did want to say with the monster that it is technically it's its first encounter with humans so people feel like and i agree it's probably more like i'm just gonna expose myself and kill like just see what happens like it doesn't understand how humans work i still feel like it's a little bit obvious and slow it's like let me transform over here before you can do anything and then you can kill me or whatever but it's like you know what i mean i guess I think I would maybe agree with that a little bit more if this movie like didn't play didn't take place a day before or a few days. We don't know. Well, at least two days, however long it takes for the dog to run from one camp to the other camp. Yeah, that's the time period through that. Um, But so I checked the time periods on this. When I first watched the movie, I was like, this feels like I'm watching a Resident Evil movie. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, this also kind of feels like I'm watching a Stranger Things movie, like the Stranger Things monster. Totally. But I checked. So Stranger Things started in 2016. Mm-hmm. Resident Evil was right around this time. So I'm like, this is the perfect in between. Yeah, <laughs> it is, honestly. And I mean, it's a lot of, I mean, you just look back at 2011 and maybe it looked better then. But like now it's like, the effects have aged terribly on that, but the yeah. effects have not aged at all on the 82 version. I feel like it's still just as shocking because they're so intense and you can tell such care went into them that they're so incredible and weird and disturbing. And like, there's so much happening that you don't know where to look versus just one big CGI mass just wiggling in front of you. I'm like, if you look at the original designs, they are cool, but, and they did kind of, I guess, the only one really that they had to kind of work with was the guys, the two dudes who merged together, yeah. which was cool. And I think was like creepy as fuck and like was really cool. A lot better with the practical. If you watch the video, there's videos on YouTube that the, the, the animators released, but it's just, it's, it's just a fucking, it makes me mad. I can't think about it or I can't watch this movie without being like, the fucking effects. Sorry, continue. Yeah, it was weird. They, they, like they just focused on the wrong things. Like, yes, I didn't care about the alien spaceship, and like they didn't even. It like we were saying, like if they'd shown another alien, like the thing is not the thing piloting. It was, yeah, it was the thing that ruined everything. Like it caused the crash. That would be more interesting, but like they didn't do that. So it's just like, I don't care about the spaceship. It also can't even get her around the corner. And you're like, that seems pretty fucking convenient because one of those tentacles could like fly off or detach (laughs) and fucking kill her. Yeah. Right. And it's like some people are like, well, technically, Joel Edgerton's character comes back and like attacks it. And that's why it goes. And I'm like, you're having to explain a lot of shit that they're not telling you. So I don't think that counts. You you can't just assume. Can you explain why was there a grenade on the ship? Like she finds a grenade. I think she had that, right? And then she dropped it. And then she saw it was next to her. I think after watching (laughs) this movie, probably more than anybody has, uh, I would say I think that she drops it and that she thought she lost it. And then she sees it. And so she's like, oh, I can grab it. But then, And I think what's happening with the thing pulling back is that Joel Edgerton has obviously been assimilated as well. So he's like, 
communicating with it like I'm going to kill you, but that's only so that I can survive and then we'll still survive, right? If a piece of it survives, it still lives. So he's like, I'm going to kill this in front of her so that she trusts me. But even that like doesn't work based off the rules because you need at least an hour and a half to fully assimilate. Yeah. It's a long process, dude. So, as we should know by these movies. So yeah, like they <laughs> skip the rules and we, we see He's Joel. Like fully assimilated. I love the scene when they, prior to them doing the whole final act where like you have Joel Edgerton and it's just like zoomed in on his earring. It's like, please notice this. Cause it's going to come back. His earring exactly it's like that's what i'm saying is like like i was saying in the 82 version you know they lit people's eyes differently during the blood test scene and that was what made it like like kind of made it really tense and like when you got to palmer you're almost kind of like oh i'm scared but like i'm not i don't think it's him i like this guy and then it happens with this you're like okay so we're watching that because it's not going to be there later so like you kind of are just like okay great which again is really the studio fucking with you yeah like i didn't even notice the shadowy eyes thing that you mentioned when I watch it, when I watch this one, I'm like, what is the deal with his earring? Why is it my entire screen? It's like, I think just either studios or maybe people are just dumber now and they can't <laughs> figure things out because like I watch movies from like the seventies and eighties and I'm like, they just don't hold your hand through shit. Like weird shit happens. And you're just like, Holy fuck. Yeah. Like, they, don't, they don't explain everything until like, the end of the movie you know nowadays it's like we have to tell you what's what you need to remember so that when it's not there you're gonna go oh it's like nobody cares about that and and they try i mean i don't know do you want to what what else did you want to say because i I was gonna meant to go to the ending but i don't want to go to like the very very end i mean we can i mean we can go to the i mean i I was uh i was gonna say ultimately like this movie's not bad no it's not horrible it's it's just not interesting. No, like, there's nothing interesting. Like we, like we just, we just talked about like where we loved, um, talk to me, like talk mm-hmm. to me was a very interesting original spin on like the possession Ouija board genre of movies. This movie was a prequel to a very interesting movie, but they just, kind of turned it into a boilerplate creature feature and exactly. you can you can see the spots of someone doing something but like it wasn't really able to be fully fleshed out so i mean based off our opening i would watch a director's cut of this movie thank you right <laughs> yeah see. i mean this guy this guy clearly knew what he was doing i think he was a real fan of the original and i think that's always the big deal for me is that you can tell whoever's making the movie if they really care about it mm-hmm. or they're passionate about the subject and i find that like there's parts of this movie that draw you in where you're like yeah that's cool that's interesting and like obviously mary elizabeth winstead is great and they try to like i mean just they try to pull off this ambiguous ending even with like her riding off on the snowcat. And I'm like, it just doesn't work. It's not yeah. like the original ambiguous ending. It just, I'm just like, well, what the fuck? Where is she then? Does she die? I, like, this is stupid. Okay. So this is perfect. Let's get into the ending. <laughs> I yeah. have some questions. Good. So, I mean, first off, I Me hate it. I hate that she lived through it. Me too. Allegedly. I mean, they did say that if he drives off, like there's no way he's going to live. So allegedly she dies i guess is the idea but like i hated that it's just like she won and that's it like 
the whole point of the first one that was so great is that like we don't know. And like they win, but like, do they really win? You know, yeah. kind of a thing like you don't know. And that's what's still scary about it at the end. Right. Yeah. Where you're like, OK, so that was easy. I mean, not easy, obviously, but like so she could do it. What the fuck's wrong with McCready? He couldn't do it. Like, I mean, obviously, like, where are you going in that fucking snowcat? I mean, like, where I are you been, going? <laughs> I would have been at least happy if they did like a, a Star Wars Rogue One thing where she lives through that and then she shows up at the end of the 82 thing and she like sees McCready and Childs like mm -hmm. either they killed each other or something like she or they're sees, both frozen to death. Yeah, like if she saw what happened, but they don't. They're just like she just drives off. She she snowmobiles off into the sunset. I'm like, I, yeah, so we get nothing. <laughs> I agree. That's actually a great idea. I wish that that was the ending now because I just don't get anything that I I don't feel shit from this. And I think even though it's like kind of shoehorning it into the other one, like. That would be 10 times better because I want to see that. I want to know what happens, right? I mean, I think the thing is, is that the thing about the things <laughs> is that you have to like, like Dr. Sleep, I think, is the best sequel ever made, I think, to a movie because it had this impossible task of being a sequel to like the novel and yeah. Stanley Kubrick's movie. And Mike Flanagan, as we like know and love, is a genius and mm -hmm. he uses bits of both and like, hits the right visual cues and the right way of doing things to ensure that like it has the same mood, but it provides something deeper and cooler about it. And that's what this movie's missing. It has yeah. no, nothing that's familiar. I, I feel like, except for the ending, that's like, I would say that's the only part that's familiar to the, the, the 82 mm -hmm. movie outside of that. There's no tension. I don't care. I don't know half these people. So I don't care who's like the thing. You know, yeah. and when they try to surprise you, I'm just like this no name guy. OK, great. Like the only person I cared about, like I said, it was fucking torment. And that's only <laughs> yeah. because I love Game of Thrones. So I was yeah. just like, there's nobody to care about. Nobody interesting. Nobody I felt bad for. It just fails in all the way that the other one succeeds. Yeah, we're like we're like the 82 one. It draws you in in the scenes. This one. I felt more so I was waiting for the jump, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, totally. And you're like waiting for it to like maybe kind of connect in like a better way. I mean, granted, like, like you said, they hit the visual things of like, here's how the base looked, but like the movie, the look and feel of the movie is like so glossy in two thousands. It doesn't fit the same vibe that the original gave. I feel like they don't even have the same score until the very end. It's yeah. universal. Why wouldn't you use the fucking score? It's the best score ever. I mean, it's used in Hateful Eight, too. Like, they use that score and then <laughs> unused material. That's how good it is. Like, you know, they just... I, I'm sure it was the studio, not the director, because he was a big fan. But it's just like, you, we all know you can't do better than John Carpenter. But it, it feels like they didn't even try to... Ca they didn't understand what the original thing that we all love now about that movie is. Yeah. Or like, 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 I think the tension and the the psychological aspects of what, you know, how quick it is and easy to turn on each other. I think that's so interesting in the original. And I just don't know mm -hmm. why none of that made it into this one. That's like a key part, you know, outside yeah. of practical effects. I would say if you're making a fucking thing, prequel, remake, whatever, practical effects and paranoia. That's the two yeah. things that you need. Yeah. 
anything else you want to say about this movie? I wanted to run a couple ideas by you. I would love to hear your ideas because anything I say is just going to make me mad. <laughs> I just, uh, right. yeah, I want to hear what so, your thoughts are. So here's my ideas of how they should have done this movie instead of a, a creature feature monster movie. Here's, here's my thoughts. Okay. Yeah. I, I feel like this is, I'm already on board, but tell yeah. me everything. So the original movie is like, we know there's a thing, but we don't know where the thing is or who the thing is. So I was thinking they should have done this from, they should have done a spin on it and they should have either done option one. We know who the thing is from the very beginning, a la poker face style. Mm, or like Scream 6, kind of. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, you, so like, that was the twist I thought was happening. And I was like, fuck, yeah. That, that, that's a great twist on a genre. Is that like something you never knew? Let's, let's give it to you up front and see what happens. That would have been this, interesting. This movie did come out the same year as Scream 4. So they should have they got it right. It shows you uh, that like Scream 4 way ahead of its time. The thing. <laughs> mm, ugh. Either we haven't gotten there yet or it's never been in style. <laughs> yeah, like it would have been interesting if they had done the whole movie where like poker face style where like we learn who the thing is and then it's a question of how do they figure it out? That would have been way cool. Or they introduce kind of a new idea because the whole thing franchise is very ambiguous on what the thing can actually do. But the idea would be they introduce this thing that even if you are a copy, you don't know that you're a copy until like it unleashes. So then the whole movie, we don't know who the copy is because they don't know the moment. Yeah. But we know like secretly it's this person, but like well, they that, don't know and they are totally oblivious to it. Right. I'm saying it's one or the other. The first one oh. is we know who the copy is. And so we're seeing how they figure out the second one is a total mystery where Anyone could be the copy, including Mary Elizabeth Winstead, because they been don't a better twist. A copy until it takes control. That's a good one, because I think like that's what's interesting. I feel like the pre the the 82 movie makes it like you don't know if you've been assimilated, like you don't remember. So like you they like the actors when they talk about it and like John Carpenter's kind of said it seems like it's more of like you don't know if you're the thing until the thing is threatened and then it comes out. So that's yeah. kind of like what that one is. This one went a total different direction where it was like the thing eats you and then recreates a new version of you that's all the thing but it's just looks and talks and mm -hmm. has your memories maybe I don't know they're kind of not specific. So it's like kind of they muddy it a bit from like what the original was. Cause I think that's what works in the original is that like none of them even know, you know, yeah. that's what's great is that it's scarier that way. The only thing we know in the original is that, is that Kurt Russell is not the thing. He's the only one that knows I'm human. So it's like, let's just take it a step beyond. Let's make it. So even the main character could be the thing, find ways to make us believe that maybe they are, but like it make it a incredible. total mystery. I like that, that could have been just way better than what we actually got. Jeez, why didn't you write the script? I love that. Because, like, if she would have, like, if they would have pulled, like, a, you know, Scream or, like, Psycho, like, 
killed her off as the thing, like partway through the movie, that would have been great. I think people would have been like responded to it. Not that like, I don't want her. I mean, thank God she's in the whole movie because like of how it actually turned out. But they, if they were doing bold things like that, I think it would be a better movie overall. I mean, it's just that they don't, they don't bring anything really interesting to the table that, I mean, you could just basically watch the, the 82 thing over and over and you'll be fine. Like you don't need anything from this, but like it's, if you're really into the lore and like the his the whole like mythology, it it's like, you gotta see it. Cause you're just, I just want more thing content. Right. I just want more of the thing, but it's like, God damn it. This could have been great. It's crazy how safe they went with this movie. Considering the thing is not a franchise. Like it's one, I guess technically two movies, but it's one movie. Like it's one movie. Like I mean, it's basically not like the, you have this yeah. whole whole arc of it's not cinematic alien. universe. Like it's like the first movie was all the chances because it does everything in the non non conventional way. So it's like the sequel thirty years later. We should just pull all the stops. Like yeah. don't do anything safe. But this Thank movie you. just did everything safe and, and yeah. again it's the studio it's not the director as we know i mean this guy fucking lost his passion for filmmaking making this movie i think that is reflected you know yeah. when people aren't really happy with the movie i think you can really tell and it's just like it sucks because there's parts that they clearly put a lot of work into and some of the creature design is cool and it would yeah. look be- like a lot of it is with what they did and like they made it like look just like the sets but Maybe they focused a little bit on too much on what it looked like and not the actual substance of what they were doing. Yeah. I mean, granted, I don't think that was on the director again. I think that's the studio. But like you guys fucking made the first one, right? With John Carpenter. Like, come on. Why are you doing this? I hate it that studios do it. Maybe now I think there's talks. At least I think there is talks of them doing a reboot now. I'm not sure. Or like, I don't know if it would be, I assume they're not going to try and do a prequel or sequel again. So it might be a full reboot at some point. Uh, I'm not sure of the thing. Okay. It might just be another adaptation. I mean, John Carpenter's is different from the original story. I think what they tried to do with the prequel is try to tie it to the original story, but also to John Carpenter's. It just didn't work for them. But, um, I it's think been... they're supposedly going to ma- remake it, which John Carpenter has given his blessing and everyone's like, how dare you? And he goes, I really like the money. What can I say? <laughs> he gave his blessing on the the Halloween, the, yeah. the David Gordon Green. He did the music for those fucking movies. He also, <laughs> he gave his uh, blessing for this, the thing. And people are like, what the hell? And he gets interviewed and he goes, they're like, so you were a producer on this movie? He goes, I came to set once. I said hello. And then I left. And I enjoyed the really nice big paycheck is what he said. And it's like, that's great. That's that's the James Wan method with the Conjuring universe. He's like, I'll do the first couple and then, yeah, you can do whatever you want. Yeah, it's like fucking I don't care as long as I'm getting paid for it. Fuck. (laughs) Why not? Yeah, they can keep rebooting this until I die. Like, I'll make money off of each one because people will still see it because of his version. Right. Which is crazy. He even says his version is not the best version. He thinks the original is. And it's just because he's humble and amazing. But the right, his is Carpenter, the best. We love you and we love your humbleness, but your movie's better. Uh, well, if I mean, I think it's OK to do to attempt here. We'll say attempt a remake at this point. It's been 40 years. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we can agree that uh, they they have to get Chris Hemsworth. To they be got Matt. to. Yeah. I mean, they should. He'd be perfect. I think he could totally nail it. 
And if they do like an exact reboot, but they do something different, just just know that you're you got a big fucking hill to climb and it's going to be difficult. And please, God, stay away from you can use some seat guy, but don't paint over everything. This is the you know, thing. It, we want to see it in real. It would be interesting if they did a 82 2011 story, but in one like three hour movie. So like the first half is the Norwegian camp and then you get the mm. 82 American camp. I just think that for for whatever reason and this I think it's just because of the scientists I don't have any empathy for. So <laughs> I just think that the way to do it is like the way that John Carpenter did it. Again, this is a whole thing with studios. They're like, let's remake a movie that's incredible and made no money like right at the time. But even still, they're like a movie that's beloved. Let's remake that. It's like, no, reboot shit that got a really bad version the first time, right? <laughs> you know, yeah. why aren't they doing that? We don't need another the thing. The first one, sorry, the only one, in my opinion, the John yeah. Carpenter version is the best of all time. You're never going to beat it. What's the point? I think there's other things we can do with aliens. There's a whole lot of alien story- stories out there. We don't need to do something that's already been done perfectly. There's there's, there's a lack of imposter stories mm-hmm. out there. Exactly. Use it like Tarantino and use it for Hateful Eight, right? And get an incredible fucking story. But in that, they're worried about who's deceiving them and who's secretly working with the the person that they have there who's under arrest, right? That's a wonderful version. Or the Reservoir Dogs, right? They're all wondering who's the rat. So it's like there's always that thing in both of those movies, which is why he loved the thing so much. The paranoia. So like... Maybe you just use that as a jumping off point and say, but what if we did the thing somewhere else? Or like, what other situations can we make that story? And I think there's a lot that you can do. Yeah. And my favorite thing about the original thing is it it feels like a bottle episode of a TV show. Like the whole Twilight Zone. Like it takes place just in this camp where everything happens on this camp. They don't really travel around. There's one scene where they travel to a to a site and then to a spaceship. But like the whole thing takes place on the camp and I love that. Mm-hmm. That's where the that's where the 2011 one kind of fucked up. Is they started it with back in the states prior yeah. to all the events of this thing. Like I love the bottle episode feeling mm-hmm. of, of it. It's You're like just starting with the shit going down. Like nobody knows what's going on and you don't either. And you don't even realize that you're already in the shit, but you know, something weird is happening. Cause those fucking Norwegians are shooting at a dog <laughs> and trying to blow it up. And you're like, this dog is adorable. What the fuck is going on? Like you immediately are against them. But like this prequel was supposed to be like, Hey, look, this is actually what happened. And it just like, sure. It matches. To like what exactly happened but like did we need to see it i don't think we did okay so we're probably way late to this but this reminds me of two questions that i had specifically for you as the, as the oracle of the thing so the first question is is uh what's his name is it lars or yes okay so lars uh gets Looks He's a Norwegian like he gets, and can't speak, right? Yeah, yeah. English. He, he looks like he he gets snatched up. Like someone sees him get snatched up by something. They're yeah, like, they got Lars. They got Lars, and then that yeah, that's the know, whole thing tr- that triggers the whole thing. But then at the end, after Mary Elizabeth Winston lives and drives off, he's just there. He's cool. I'm like, so wait, he didn't 
die? Like, what was that? Like, yeah, it's kind of weird how they just have him disappear. I'm like, he could have just been like, at least if they would have showed what he was up to, because it definitely looks like he got grabbed by something. But like, did he get grabbed by the Americans? Well, no, because then those guys break in without him. So what is he like? I am I mean, he doesn't even speak English, so he can't even talk yeah. to them. So it's like, maybe they did that and they tied him up or something. I don't know. <laughs> and it took him all night to get out. But like one shot of him being tied up in there and like trying to get out would have been perfect. That's all we yeah. needed. And then it would have made sense why he runs out and he's all scared and doesn't know who's the thing. And this guy shows up and he's like, what the fuck? That would yeah. make sense. <laughs> all jo all Joel Edgerton says is we didn't kill him. Yeah. So it's like, so, so what did you do to him? Yeah. Where is he? And why are we not worried about this? Because that yeah. means like she's so concerned with like killing all the things. Right. Everyone is. And it's like, but where's that one thing? As we know, that thing can get fucking. What's that dog been doing also? Like, where the fuck was that? Why didn't it change him already? You know, or maybe he was changed and didn't know. I don't know. So There's a lot of weird, thing. vague stuff that maybe they tried to be vague on purpose, but it was like the wrong kind of vague. That was <laughs> that, the was that needed second, to be explained. <laughs> that was my second question was, so the dog, the dog belonged to the Americans. No, it was his. No, but, no but, but in the 82 one, he's like, he he loves that dog and he's like put the dog with the other dog. So yeah, but it's not their dog. That's the Norwegian's dog. He's okay, just the dog so handler. Was, he, he was likes a dogs. Norwegian dog. Yeah, they it was their dog. They adopted a stray essentially they're, well, they're, in the original. They're confused. Yeah, because they're like, where the why the fuck are these guys trying to kill this dog? And so they're like these this poor dog, and then they don't put it away for a day. Like they leave it out for like a whole night and day until like the next night when they put it in the kennel. That's why oh. it probably got a couple people in the meantime is what gotcha. the thing is. Cause they don't realize they're like, this is just a dog. Why the fuck was he shooting it? And then I think I'm, I do think it's weird. Clark doesn't just immediately put it with the other dogs, but I think also maybe to explain it is the thing has learned by the end of the prequel. It's learned that these people are just going to kill it no matter what. So it's probably hiding out. And then when it sees that it can escape, I don't know why it waits till those two dudes are outside to run past them. That doesn't seem smart, but whatever. <laughs> it was weird that like if you if you've seen the the 82 thing and you're watching this, you know that the dog is the connecting thread. Yeah. But there's the dog has no involvement in this entire movie. The only thing that we see of it is like when the thing first escaped from the ice, the dog is like trying to get out of its enclosure like right before that. Yeah, and yeah, then yeah. when they go there, they see it's like bloody and like a blood leading out to the outside. But then like nobody's like and then they go and try to find it. But it's like that clearly something else had gotten out and survived already because that dog was made and then hid for the rest of the movie. <laughs> I think they could have played it up a little bit more with the dog or had it get turned last or some shit to yeah, make it like act that way. Yeah, I feel like the the natural inclination inclination would be we know the dog is the thing. So like there needs to be a scene of us seeing the dog get assimilated maybe they're like we all saw like five dogs get assimilated in the 82 <laughs> version and people just won't go for that now <laughs> i mean if you do look back at older movies like dogs weren't necessarily treated as revered as they are now where it's like 
I mean, granted, in every horror movie, I think you're crazy if you don't assume the dog is dead, like immediately. Yeah. I'm like, that dog's not going to make it. <laughs> and if they do, I'm always like, wow, that's cool. But like the dog's always the first to go. So it makes yeah. sense. But like they're treated terribly in the 82 movies. So like they maybe were just like, we don't have to do that. But like at least show the thing coming in there or like the dog like yeah. getting the like a piece of the thing getting away kind of like they hint at in the 82 version when it crawls up that space and you yeah. can like safely assume okay well if one piece can get away after you see the head move you're like okay then maybe some part of it survived i think airbud ruined dogs for <laughs> movies they're like this labrador can hit three point shots like steph curry so like we need to acknowledge that all dogs are this smart <laughs> yeah it's like well it's supposed to be like the alien but again this movie's still vague and we don't know how smart is this thing i don't think it can fly a spaceship but it knows that like if i'm a dog people will like me i guess is like the thing that it goes with <laughs> and maybe it thought like if i run out and these guys won't notice but it's like he knows right away like that that's not a fucking dog and it's like they that thing I sent you, there's a video on YouTube of like someone edited together the prequel ending mm -hmm. to the 82 yeah. beginning. And they actually have uh, subtitles for the for Lars when he's yelling in Norwegian to them. And he's like, that's not a dog. It's an imitation. Get away, you fools. Get away. That is not a dog. And that's like what he's saying over and over again. I'm like, no one could have taught this guy English. <laughs> really? Thank God they didn't put that in the original movie. Can you imagine if like the opening scene we just oh, got it ruined it? That's not a dog. It's an imitation. I'm like, I'm sure that's not even translating the fucking Norwegian correctly. Someone's just like maybe assuming that. Maybe they translated it. I don't know. But I'm just also like, I'm really glad that we didn't know that. But also, that would be stupid. John Carpenter would never do anything so stupid. John Carpenter's too smart for that shit. You gotta be fucking kidding. All right, everyone, I hope you enjoyed your double dose of things, all gooey and whatnot. All the goo. We'll take a break from the goo for a minute because that I feel like that movie, both movies, really, they cover you in goo. So it's kind of nice to take a break and get a little clean afterwards. I think we all need to. We got to head into the fall on a, on a high note so that when October rolls around, we just get back into the dirt for for spooktober. Whatever exactly it's spooky season baby but i will say i think that there's no higher note to go into fall on than the things well we are doing uh i mean it's kind of a throwback it's 2018 but <laughs> that's a throwback now but that is like five years ago so holy shit we're talking about a movie that we both love we think it is under underappreciated but by the people who appreciate it, they all really love it. Like anyone who's like gets it, like you love it. It's incredible. Yeah. It, it leaves a lasting impression. So we're talking about Game Night with Jason Bateman, Rachel McAdams. There's actually a bunch of people in this movie. Even Dexter, Michael C. Hall. Dexter. I was so surprised to see him in this movie. And then our favorite, Jesse Plemons, who I think steals the movie, so... Yeah, if you haven't seen it, this is a must watch. It's not like, a, oh, you know, it might not be your taste. Like, no, this is a, one of the best comedy movies in the last decade. If you've ever played incredible. a game with friends, this movie will be incredible. Like, it's just if great. If you've ever played a game with friends and hated it, you're going to yeah. love this movie. Or loved it. 
<laughs> You're going to be happy. It's a good movie, and it's streaming on Hulu. So watch it, and then join us next week. Uh, oh, one other thing. We are doing, on our YouTube, we're going to be going through all the Saw movies. Because the the new one is coming out, and we're just like, why not? So, People are excited about it, so I guess we maybe we should take a closer look at these movies, because... I mean, torture porn and all, they're really not that bad, but like, it's going to be kind of a lot to watch all of these in a month. There's like seven because we're not doing the spinoffs. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, maybe we will. We'll see. But they're all, coming, they're all coming to Peacock. So you can either watch along with us or wait until we put out the mega episode and then you can just have that with you as you go through the movies. There you go. <laughs> then you get your free trial at Peacock and you're set. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, take care, everyone, and we will see you next time on the regular exclusive podcast. Don't forget to like and subscribe. We're out here. <laughs>